0: Good morning. It's good to see you all out. It has really been a joy to be here with you this morning and to worship together. I've so enjoyed uh, the opportunity to sing together and pray together, and I appreciate the thoughts that John shared with us as we partook in the Lord's Supper together. It's just been a wonderful morning, and I want to thank you all for being here with us. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 is where we are going to begin this morning. We're going to read the first four verses together of of Romans chapter 10. Am I echoey to you guys? It sounds really unusual up here to me. Maybe not. Okay. I didn't get any weird looks, so we're going to go with it. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes." As Paul was going about preaching the gospel to Jew and Gentiles alike in the first century, he was dedicated to taking God's word to anyone and everyone that would listen. But he calls out a specific problem that he sees here in Romans chapter 10. Did you catch what that problem is? He's looking out at a bunch of people who have heard God's word... And they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. There was excitement, there was enthusiasm among the people about God, about Christ, about the the gospel that was brought to them. There was excitement, genuine excitement, I believe, on the part of these people as they have heard what Paul has brought to them. And they have begun to see what God's message can do in the world. There was excitement among these people. They were fired up about it. But not according to knowledge. What's interesting, as you think about what that means, think about who is writing it. Not, I understand that it's coming from the Holy Spirit, but think about who's penning these words. Paul. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. You turn to Galatians chapter 1 and we see firsthand just how powerful these words would have been to a man like Paul. Galatians chapter 1 beginning in verse number 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. You see, Paul was a man who lived the very words that he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. He too was a man who once was zealous, was even zealous for God. but not according to knowledge. And so he is uniquely qualified and uniquely capable to recognize this in the lives of others, to pen these words that he wrote in Romans chapter 10, and to call out a very real problem that existed among the brethren in the first century. But it's not just a problem with the brethren in the first century. Because we too live in a very zealous society. I would even take that a step further and say that we live in a very religiously zealous society. We're surrounded by people who are oftentimes excited about God. They're excited about the church that they attend. They're even excited about some of the things that they may read in Scripture. But unfortunately, like Paul at one time, and like the Christians that he sees in Rome, there are many who are zealous, but they are lacking in knowledge. One of the things that came to mind as i was studying this concept of zeal and knowledge and the relationship between the two i think one of the reasons that this was such a problem in the first century this was such a problem even in the early days of paul's life and it remains a problem today is because far too often we can mistake we can mistake zeal for knowledge And the other way around, we can sometimes be guilty of mistaking knowledge for zeal. And what we end up with, if we fall in either of those two camps, where we have mistaken zeal for knowledge, or if we have mistaken knowledge for zeal, what we end up with is an imbalance in our life that is not reflective of what a Christian's life should be. Because what Christ wants... What Christ desires and what the scriptures teach is that there must be a balance in our life. We must be both zealous and knowledgeable. And those two have to go hand in hand in order for us to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And if we're not careful, knowledge can become a victim of zeal and the other way around. One can so overshadow the other that they get lost in the mix. And I think specifically, the example that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 10, there are a group of people where knowledge has become a victim to their zeal. They're so excited about God, they're so enthusiastic about God, that they no longer see a need for knowledge. I think what we're going to see is we look at a couple of passages of Scripture together this morning. One of them that Andrew read for us in Hosea chapter 4. The exact opposite of that can happen as well. Sometimes we can get so excited that knowledge becomes the victim. And sometimes we can be so focused on knowledge that zeal becomes the victim. And we're going to look at biblical examples of both this morning. And we're going to talk about how we can overcome that. And how we can truly be the balanced Christian in both of these areas that God wants us to be. So first and foremost, we need to make the point that we never should sacrifice zeal for knowledge or knowledge for zeal. I'm going to ask you to look at a couple of passages of scripture with me to make this point. First in Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. And there were... There are many, many, many passages just in the book of Proverbs alone talking about the importance of knowledge and the importance of seeking after it. But listen to what is said in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. Look in Ecclesiastes. Just a couple of pages over from where you are there in Proverbs. Ecclesiastes really bookends with this thought. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse number 16. I communed with my heart, saying, look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. This sounds great. And I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. And I perceived that this also is grasping for wind. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Turn to the end of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse number 10. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. Now hold on a second, because in Proverbs It said that the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but then he turns a couple of pages over in Ecclesiastes, and it almost seems as if there is caution given to an abundance of knowledge. So what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to to make these passages make sense? Am I supposed to be careful about the attaining knowledge, or am I supposed to seek after it with all of my heart? Which am I supposed to do? Well, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. and Let's allow the Bible to do its own commentary. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing here to Timothy, and he sees men who are, who are creeping into the midst of people, seeking to pull people away from the truth. And he says this, beginning in verse number 6, For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Do you see the distinction that Paul is making there? There are some who are always learning, always learning. They're craving knowledge. They're just, they're consuming it at every turn. They are always learning. But they're never able to come to the knowledge of truth. That's the difference. And so when Solomon is pinning the words of Proverbs and he's talking about the need for knowledge, he is talking about the knowledge of truth. And when he cautions you in Ecclesiastes, Be careful about endless learnings and all of the books that can be consumed. He's cautioning you about the worldly pursuit of knowledge that is vain and is empty and leads you nowhere. We must be serious about the knowledge that we consume. And when we do that, when we consume knowledge that leads us to truth, that is where the connection to zeal is made that Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 10. Because history is littered with people who are bursting at the seams with zeal. But their knowledge lacks. looks something like that. And there are people throughout history who are the exact opposite, where they could quote scripture to you day and night, and you would be blown away by the knowledge that they have. But that knowledge hasn't led them to act. You see, the picture that Christ paints for us, the picture that the inspired writers paint for us, are that we need to nurture and encourage both. We got to see some of that. We talked to you guys uh, recently about the trip out to San Francisco. We got to see some of this firsthand in very spiritually young and maturing Christians out there. You see, there there was a small amount of knowledge. There was a small amount of knowledge that convicted them of sin. And that small amount of knowledge led them to Christ. And they became a Christian for the forgiveness of those sins. And they are excited about that. And they're on fire about that. But the knowledge is still small. But in Christ's perfect way of helping us grow and mature, what will happen is if that zeal is directed in the right direction, that will lead them to a search of God's word and a desire to learn and consume the truth, and that knowledge will grow. And you know what happens as that knowledge grows? We get more and more excited about what we're learning. And that fire inside of us starts to grow, so the zeal that we once had now even grows stronger. And as that zeal grows stronger then it just drives us to learn and consume more and to grow closer to God. And we see this perfect and wonderful cycle that God expects his children to be a part of. But we can short circuit that at any time. Because if we don't fan the flame inside of us to keep that zeal alive and burning. Then our desire for his word is going to suffer. And if we don't spend time in his word learning and allowing him to talk to us and speak to us through his living word. Then our excitement and our zeal and that fire in our belly is going to begin diminish we have to allow these two to work together we have to encourage it in each other be so connected with each other that you can see one or the other beginning to fade in someone's life If your spouse or your friend or your child or the person sitting next to you confides in you that I'm just, I just don't feel that excitement about God and that excitement about his word that I, that I used to feel and experience. Encourage them to spend time in the word. Study with them. Be an accountability partner to them. Perhaps give them something to read and to study within God's word that has helped you in your own journey. The more we do that for one another, collectively our zeal and our knowledge will grow. And as we seek to do that for one another, we will protect ourselves from the pitfall that Paul witnessed in Romans chapter 10. As he looked out on some people that were lopsided. They had the zeal, but they didn't have the knowledge. But back in Romans chapter 10, it's important for us to realize why we're doing this. What is zeal intended to accomplish? What is knowledge intended to fulfill? Because at the end of the day, this isn't just knowledge for knowledge's sake. This isn't just zeal for zeal's sake. But what does Paul say in verses 3 and 4? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. How many times did he use the word righteousness in two verses? I think he's trying to tell us something. Our pursuit of godly knowledge and the zeal that he wants us to have in regards to him and to his cause and his purpose in this world should all be directed towards a pursuit of God's righteousness. Look with me in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, Zachariah there is is praying in regards to the birth of his upcoming child, John the Baptist. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse number 76. And you child, speaking of John the Baptist, and you child will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins to give knowledge of salvation that that was the role that john the baptist was going to fulfill he was going to prepare the way for christ and he was going to tell others of the messiah that had come to save their souls from sin to share the knowledge of salvation in Philippians chapter 3, Paul, again, writing here to the Christians in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 8, will write, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Why was Paul pursuing the knowledge of Christ Jesus? Why did he put away that old life that was only zeal but lacking in knowledge and pursue a life of balanced zeal and knowledge. Why did he do that? Because he realized he had to stop seeking his own righteousness and seek only God's righteousness. My righteousness can't do one thing for me on the day of judgment. Your righteousness can't do one thing for you on the day of judgment but God's righteousness will save your soul for all of eternity. So we need to seek it. We need to desire it. We need to let knowledge and zeal have their intended effect in our lives to lead us enthusiastically to God's righteousness. We can't have one without the other. There is no zeal without knowledge. and There is no knowledge without zeal. Not godly zeal. Not godly knowledge. They are intended to go hand in hand to work perfectly in the lives of God's people. We should be excited about this. We should be openly excited about God and his word. Others should see the light in our eyes as we talk about what Christ has done for us. They should feel the excitement that we have for his word. We've talked a lot in our Bible class recently about the importance of protecting time that we can spend in God's word and the great benefits that come from meditating upon it, seeking it, Being devoted to it. Someone made the point just this morning that when we do that, others are going to see that in our lives. If you're excited about something, your closest friends know that. If you're a Georgia football fan, I guarantee you everyone that knows you knows that you are a Georgia football fan. Because they're really good And they're likely on a path to a national championship. And you couldn't hide that if you tried. Because you're excited about it. Why would you hide that? Why would you hide it? You're excited about that. The more we come to know God, the more we seek the knowledge that he provides to us in scripture, we're going to be that excited about it. Hopefully more so. Because the things that we're excited about in this life, they can provide some temporary joy. There can be some celebration that can come with it, and we can be really happy about those things, and that's all well and good. But nothing can touch the excitement of realizing what God has done in your life. Nothing can touch the excitement that you should have when you realize God has spoken to you through his word, and you have an opportunity to read it and to study it and to consume it, and through it to develop this relationship with God that's going to last all of eternity when he takes you home to be with him in heaven. That should supersede any excitement and zeal that we could possibly have on this earth. But we can't have one without the other. We have to seek both. We have to treasure both. We have to encourage and expect both in our brothers and sisters. Realizing that as Paul pointed out in Romans chapter 10, that it is a real possibility today, just as it was in the first century, for zeal to overcome and knowledge to get left by the wayside. And just as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, just as real today, that there can be this pursuit of knowledge day in and day out, but it's just knowledge for knowledge's sake, and it leads nowhere. Let's be the kind of people who treasure godly knowledge that leads to godly zeal, that leads to godly knowledge, that leads to godly zeal. As we wrap things up this morning, I I want to just ask you if, if you, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're here and you're not a Christian this morning, what are you excited about? What what gets you excited every day? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What, what puts a smile on your face? What energizes you? What is it in your life that, that really excites you? I want to propose to you that you don't know what true excitement is yet until you have chosen to give your life to Christ and to experience the freedom that comes in Christ, to experience the joy of having your sins taken away, to to be filled with the hope of, of living forever in heaven with your Savior. You have not experienced excitement yet. But God is waiting, he is patient, he is long-suffering, and he gives you an opportunity. He gives you an opportunity to do exactly what Paul did, to put off that old life of sin, and to do what so many here have done. To be born again, a new creature, a child of God free from sin. We want to encourage you to take advantage of that precious gift and that opportunity that is before you this morning. If you've done that, maybe as we've talked about some of these things this morning, maybe you have begun to recognize in your life that zeal has faded over the years. Maybe you're not as excited. Maybe you're not as fired up about the Lord as you once were. Rekindle that flame. Ask for help. We can pray about that for you. We can be that accountability partner with you. Maybe you're not spending the time in God's word that you should spend. Consider how you structure your day, how you structure your time. Prioritize God's word. Prioritize the seeking of godly knowledge. And again, we want to be here to help you and support you along that journey. So if we can help you with any spiritual need that you may have this morning, please come to the front and let us know how as we stand and sing.